Hi and welcome along to the fourth episode of the Left on Red podcast. Hopefully this will be something to brighten up your Monday afternoon. Okay, so unfortunately I was the only one of us two in attendance um, on Saturday. Harry had some work commitments, we'd say. Yeah, I had a shift that started at eight, so I yeah, basically I cycled off as soon as the match finished. Yeah, I don't think you're making it back in time. Yeah, not from Brighton, Brighton. No. Yeah, but also it was really, really hard to get um, away tickets because I mean, I I didn't actually realise before this season how like amazing our away support is. Well, because essentially like the core of, of, of yeah. the base. I mean, I always, I always thought it was good, but it's like, it's amazing. And there's, everyone wants to go. And it's I mean, incredible, yeah. No. It was awful weather. I, I actually didn't manage to get um, tickets in the away end. I was sat in the Brighton end with, um, with Leith, uh, which was slightly... Were you in the Brighton end or were you in like a box? No, we were in the Brighton like bit. It was like, it was like essentially sort of like Brighton club level, which is a bit weird, but... Okay. But we were sat with all the like that fans. small little tier in the Emirates. That yeah, a little bit really like see. that. Yeah. It's like the more expensive season okay. tickets. It was essentially that. Okay. Um, lack of atmosphere than where you were sitting. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I mean, there was lack of atmosphere all around the ground. To be fair, I mean, Brighton fans—they're not, they the are, not great. Um, no, but it was—it was a really shit day as well. Like, it, it, Brighton's a all lovely weather-wise. place weather-wise. Yeah, it was a lovely day out, and it actually worked out quite well having somewhere to sit inside the stadium I was actually really thankful for that because I was before the game I was like oh god like, I'm not with the away fans but then when it was like tipping it down was and the away was section so... not covered by the roof no, that much no, okay no. yeah and the, it sort of looked on TV like the front three rows were empty but it was because everyone had vacated and gone to the back so they didn't get all the rain slapping okay, in the face yeah. so it actually worked out quite well that we had somewhere to sit inside but yeah Brighton fans weren't amazing not not the best atmosphere I've been in. Probably the only game that I've been to so far this season where I haven't had the ringing in my ears after, okay. which tells you a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. the home crowd were not the loudest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was It was a nice day, actually, bar the football. The football was frustrating. It was frustrating, a bit dire. Not yeah. dire, but just a bit of a rain check, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, I, I, I was remembering after that, because I never know how to feel uh, about draws. I never sort of, it never comes into my mind how I'm meant to feel, especially after a draw against, you know, a team that aren't a big six team, I'm doing air quotations, um, like Brighton, but they're a really good side. They're a fantastic team. They played well as well. Yeah, exactly. They were but, a better team. Yeah, I think we deserve nothing more than a draw. As Mikel said very honestly in his, his yeah, yeah. post-match interview, um, it was a point gained on reflection. Yeah. But I just never know how to feel after draws. I don't know whether, especially the ones like that, I never know whether to feel happy or whether to feel annoyed, which I always do when we don't win. Um, and well, the immediate I, reaction is always going to be frustration because you're always desperate yeah. for three points. I remember in my, in, in, the, in my first season where I started going properly, um, which I think was 06, 07, or 07, 08. I, I basically, it was the first season that I went to every game. And I saw three consecutive nil-nil draws at the Emirates. Against, yeah, Sunderland, West Ham, and oh, who was it? It's like Burnley or someone like okay, that. Three nil Burnley. nil draws on the bounce. Let's just continue slating Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and we we I think we need to. It was start. It's going to start to look like we're a bit obsessed too. 
Yeah, it's probably Carl and Bernie jokes at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe today's not that day. Yeah, give it some time. But yeah, and I always just remember feeling really annoyed after those draws because not only is it a draw, which you're obviously more upset about at home, but also you don't get any chance to feel anything other than frustrated at any point in the game because it's nil-nil. Well, it's, it's, it's a weird position where you're frustrated because you haven't won, but you're not depressed because you've lost. Yeah. And you're in that in-between position where the trajectory's bobbing along, so it hasn't gone up or down, so you don't yeah, really exactly. know how to feel. Yeah, there's no like equalisers to celebrate or going one nil ahead or anything like that. It's which, stale. Yeah, which is often quite frustrating. I'd say Brighton probably makes for one of the nicer away days. I mean, I didn't experience that much of it because of the weather. Ideally, you want to get Brighton away in May. Exactly. Last game of the season. Brighton away in May. Go down the beach first. Three o'clock kickoff, something like that. Sounds lovely. So it's just nice and light. But by the time we got there, it was like sort of dim, rain slapping you in the face. It's reality of British weather, isn't it? Yeah. Mark Cucurella, who was wonderful in the match, he gave Tommy Asu some serious problems. I think he was told when he signed for Brighton that they've got lovely sunny beaches all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got suckered into the transfer a little bit. It was actually quite nice, though, uh, to get down there because I managed to see my mate, well, one of my best mates who I've been to all three schools with prior to university. He's just started at Sussex and his mum dropped round a care package for me to drop oh, up to so at university. Nice. But the care package was just, it was like four coat hangers and a speaker. <laughs> Because he'd already broken his his computer speakers at uni. But yeah, that was quite nice to see him. He said it was really nice having a bit of London brought up to him. Yeah. Because he lives right by the, the ground. So obviously Arsenal fans being up in Brighton probably makes it quite a nice. A snippet of home life. Yeah, brought to makes him, it yeah. feel a bit more like home. And was everything smooth with the journey down? Yeah, journey down was alright actually. Um, direct train from Finsbury Park. Easy to um, ride, was quite nice. Journey back was not smooth. That was so annoying. Train delays with the weather and stuff like that. Little bit of train delays, but also getting... So we left it a little bit to um, get out of the stadium after. We were sort of sat for about half an hour having a drink. And then we were getting in the queue for... So the station by the stadium is called Falmer because uh, the, the stadium's actually like, it's like a 20 minute drive from the Brighton city centre. So it's not actually um, in the city. So you get trained from Brighton station to Falmer okay. and then Falmer station's right by the stadium. But we were queuing up for the train at Falmer and it was there was a massive queue. They were being, there were police stopping you. Just a heap of Arsenal fans in sort of a compressed area. Yeah, but it was also, it was like Brighton and Arsenal fans all mixed in. And there were quite a few problems with Arsenal fans being quite annoyed at Brighton fans celebrating the draw. And yeah, a couple of little scuffles there. Nothing that went over the line or was it all quite... Well, no, it was all right. You know, it's all just, it's all just football. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. A couple of little scuffles and quite funny arguments. An Arsenal fan actually tried to um, tried to start on me and Leith as we just joined the queue, telling her, he, he came up to us and he said something like, oh, I remember celebrating a draw, don't worry. And then I was like, what are you on about, mate? Like, we're Arsenal fans. And he was like, oh, sorry. Like, he was trying okay. to start on us thinking we were Brighton fans. I don't know what about our look. Were you not in your Arsenal tops? No. Oh, jackets and everything because of the weather, yeah. No, but also, we were in the bloody home end, mate. Of course, yeah. Can't do that. Oh, I would have worn a little Arsenal top underneath. Just I was actually, out. I was actually really thinking about it, but um, I had to wear a, uh, I was wearing a white uh, shirt, 
and the only Arsenal shirt I have at the moment yeah. is my the yellow one, the yellow okay, away yeah. kit. So wearing that under the white. Wouldn't have gone down well. No, I don't think it would have looked any good. I actually remember when I was about six, I went to Arsenal Fulham with my first cousin who's a Fulham fan. Right. And he just had no idea that it wasn't okay to come in Fulham gear. So he's come with a Fulham top on, a Fulham hat and a Fulham scarf. And my dad's just gone, no, we're not having any of that. You told told him before you got into the ground, yeah, surely? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've stopped him. Yeah, of course. Actually, I think he kept it on underneath the jumper, but he didn't have the scarf and the hat on. Do you remember what the score was? I think 1-1-0. Take it. I'll take it. Yeah, it wasn't a bad Were you giving it to your, to your little cousin? I mean, Getting right at up the in ages, his face. We were both six at the time, I reckon. Yeah. The banter was through the room. Have a bit of yeah. that. <laughs> well, before we start waffling on more about our six-year-old home games that we went to... Best memories. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's much more that we need to discuss about the match day experience because... The football was quite frustrating, which ruined the day a little bit, and obviously Harry wasn't there. So, Harry, do you want to lead us into some tactical analysis of the day? Yeah, let's go for it. So, so in regards to Arsenal, there wasn't too much different to how we saw Mikel set us up last week against Spurs. No. It was a 4-2-3-1, and we tried to build out with three centre-backs again, and Tierney got high and wide. Probably, I think I thought Tierney got much more high and wide than he did against Spurs. If you if you see what I mean, as you mean for a starting position, yeah, it was more pronounced. As in, like when Ramsdale was actually playing it out from the back, Tierney wasn't. At he left didn't back. start left back no. and then run up. Yeah, he it, sort of held that space. I noticed that as well, and I thought perhaps it was much more profound in the first fifteen twenty minutes, and then he dropped deep a little bit because yeah. we were getting so overloaded down there. Mm. Wings. I thought maybe it was a little bit of a defensive risk just to level up them a bit more. Yeah. Because they play a three at the back and four yeah. across. So maybe it was to go man for man against Joel Vel- Veltman, I think his name is, their mm. right wing back, who's playing at the moment instead of Tariq Lamptey. That was noticeable. But we really struggled to create platforms in the first third and in the final third throughout the match. Yeah. Those were our two key issues. One was a collective issue and one was an individual issue. Let's talk about the collective issue first. Before we get into that, actually, I thought that we started the first 10, 15 minutes of the game with a lot of positivity and energy. I thought yeah. Smithrow and Saka did really well. Saka down the outside of the ride and Smithrow was cutting in and making mm-hmm. really incisive passes and dribbles. I thought we looked bright. But as soon as Brighton got their period, their first period yeah. of the match... As soon as they settled, they looked like in the first sort of 10, they were a bit rocked by how positive we, we were at the start. Maybe it was like the first five. I don't think it was that long. But as soon as they sort of settled into how they wanted to play it looked like they were in control of the game. And as in most matches, teams have periods of the games where they dominate. And ours came very abruptly at the beginning. Mm. And once they got theirs, they didn't let us have another one because they pressed us so high up, which brings us into the collective issue in the first thirds. We had no platform because as soon as they started regaining possession, and we'll talk about what they did and why we struggled down the, um, the sides, but as soon as they gained possession in our half, whenever they lost it, their press was fantastic, yeah. and whenever we regained possession, we just really struggled to play out like we usually try to. I think, uh, as much as I really don't want to say it, I really, really think we missed Xhaka. Uh, Perhaps, yeah. We really struggle with our ball retention without him, especially when we're playing against a press. I think, also structurally, Yeah. this is, this is what we were saying in the first episode we did, with Xhaka, 
we rely on him. He's the core cog yeah. in this structure, in the four-two-three-one structure that we play. Mm. So it's we rely on a player who makes mistakes, but without him, we don't do the system as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I do, I do see what you mean. Also, you were saying as well about Lokonga. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I think as much as we sort of mock Arteta for it, I think the system he's built really d- does rely on in those positions of the centre-back pairing and the midfield pairing, it sort of actually does rely on a left footer and a right footer. Yeah. It you don't. It didn't look like we had the same balance with Partey and Lukonga. It was really highlighted how the left of the double pivot, usually which is Xhaka who's left-footed, but this time it was Lukonga, yeah. dropped really deep to the left side of the pitch to yeah. let Tierney bomb on. But Lukonga had to drop a lot wider and a lot deeper because he's right-footed. Because he needs the time yeah. to change his body angle to play out. But that left pivot is always going to have to drop into that left-back position because that's just how we this play with Tierney. structured, yeah. yeah. However, so we've touched on the fact that we didn't manage to... They, they locked us into our half, basically, in the first half. And we yeah. didn't manage to... Play out well enough. We weren't well, brave enough in playing out. My dad, um, my dad actually texted me at, uh, at half time saying nil nil. What a result! It was, it which was, it did feel like at the end of that. It first was time. because they were so on top of us. Yeah, with with the ball and without the ball. And the second key issue was an individual issue. It was whenever we did play through the lines and actually play through them and pin them in their half, the platform in the final third wasn't there because we didn't have a number nine capable of controlling the football. No. Every yeah. time Aubameyang got the ball, we were playing lots of good line-breaking passes. Tierney was doing it, Smith-Rowe was doing it, Odegaard, who I thought was poor, did it a few times, and Saka was doing it. Yeah. Bubbled off him, so we had no platform to hold the ball, and then bounce off and have a platform to create in the final third, which yeah. we know we can do after last week. Yeah, it may sound harsh, um, It's not harsh. The, the slander of Aubameyang, but it's... Despite last week, it's a problem I think me and Harry and a lot of Arsenal fans have always had with Aubameyang that the platform for us to then play the football that we want to play is if he doesn't play exceptionally well, which he has to in order for our attack to play, it just doesn't work. And I think, you know, Lacazette, he doesn't need to play exceptionally well for our attack well, to then flow He's a much better than Aubameyang in terms of technical yeah. ability, I holding mean, the ball up, his touch, touch control, and... passing, vision, technique. Yeah. He's just not as fast as Aubameyang and his movement in behind isn't as good as Aubameyang. Yeah. But in terms of sort of fundamental footballing skills, mm. Aubameyang really lacks them. And therefore, I've always had this argument, which may sound a bit stupid, but I always, I'll always stick to it, where regardless of whether Aubameyang scores or not, it doesn't matter because he misses 75% of what you need from a number nine. That plays in a possession-based team. Yeah. If he was playing in a counter-attacking team where all he had to do, his only responsibility was on the shoulder, make outstanding runs, well, even, use your pace. Even that, yesterday, I mean, that was part of his responsibility. He was on the counter either. and he wasn't doing it. No. Um, and he got caught offside one or two times to yeah. try and do it. Lacquer, when he came on, actually completed two more passes than Aubameyang did in the whole game. That is ridiculous. Just on, before we get on to the second half, Lacazette was incredible when he came on. His touch is impeccable. Yeah. The idea was just to get it into him, set it, and then we have that platform, as yeah. we were saying. He drags defenders out as well, which then leaves space in behind for Smith Rose and Smith Rose and Sackers, exactly. Yeah. So I thought those were two key issues we had in possession Yeah. in the final and the first third. In the middle third, we struggled a bit because of those two errors either side of that third. Yeah. I thought Brighton made it quite hard for us, though, when they penned us in. Mm with their off-the-ball work we touched on with their pressing, but also with their on-the-ball work. 
what I noticed was quite a unique pattern of play that Brighton played. And I think as we've seen with like Chris Wilder and Sheffield United when they were in the Premiership, playing a back three system can allow for really creative, unique, tactical things like I think Sheffield United used to do underlapping centre-backs, which was crazy. I, I saw Brighton would always try and create a triangle on whatever side they were attacking down. So a lot of their attacks were down the wings rather than mm. the middle of the pitch. And what would it, they would do is they would have one wing back, one of the strikers, because they, they, they played two strikers, one of the strikers would come across and one of their midfield three would come across. And then to protect like defensive transition, the other two midfielders would then just sit yeah. in front of the back three. So what they, they had was they always had a safe pass from the wing back to the wide centre back on that side. They had like a balancing the pitch pass into one of the two midfielders where there was a load of space because obviously we would have all shuffled across to try and win the ball. Mm. Or in the best possible scenario, those three players could combine really nicely with little one-twos to get in beyond and have yeah. crosses, which we saw a number of times with Cucurella down the left and a couple of times... I think with Trossard, yeah. who was one of the strikers on the right, yeah, and Tommy Asu really struggled with it. He did. He 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 didn't look he didn't look comfortable as he had done in the previous three games. He looked a bit shaky. I mean, I you know I never like to make excuses because of conditions or anything like that because it's the same for both teams, but. I think it looked like he really struggled with the playing conditions and the surface and I think that probably limited us a little bit and the wins as well I thought were I mean you were saying that you've actually played, played at Brighton at Brighton okay their their academy ground is lovely mm. it's 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 not going to be as nice as the stadium obviously the yeah. Brighton academy grounds are really high up in, yeah. in in the hills yeah I think it's actually in Sussex, but it's very close to, to Brighton. Yeah. And the winds, it's always been ridiculous whenever I've yeah. I'm guessing it wasn't too dissimilar. Oh, mate, the winds were a joke. And, you know, I, I mean, Tommy Asu didn't play well. And Arsenal no. didn't play well. One thing I was thinking about with Tommy Asu, though, the games that he's been really impressive in, obviously he was good against Norwich, but Norwich were not the hardest opponents. Yeah. With Burnley, it, he's airily fantastic. So with yeah. Burnley playing long walls and diagonals, which we discussed a lot. Yeah. He won all of them. Yeah. Spurs were awful. They didn't have anything midfield. So they yeah. just were forced to go long. Yeah. And he was good. And this is the first team he's played where he's had to defend against overloads yeah. down this side, cute little players doing little one-twos and stuff like that. But also in terms of aerially, it's, it's probably, well, it is much harder to judge where the ball's going when it's swirling around in those winds. Yes, yeah. So course, yeah. I guess we probably saw less aerial dominance than we had from him in the last few games. And should we move on to the second half then? Sure. So Brighton kept it pretty similar. Yeah. They might have brought on players like Sonny March, etc. in the second yeah. half. I think McAllister did quite well for them when they came on. Yeah. And the pattern was a little bit figured out. I thought I thought we regained a little bit more of the ball in the second half. A little bit, yeah. I thought actually Especially when Lacazette were, and Pepe came Actually, on. I thought before Lacazette came on, there were three or four times when we were in. We were in, but Bamiyan couldn't control the ball. Like, yeah. really simple footballing touches. Yeah, yeah. And it just bobbled off him, bounced off him. It was just him. the same and frustration throughout the game, wasn't it? It was, it really was. But I thought the game opened up a little bit. Yeah. Maybe whether that was Brighton's quality decreasing or us figuring out how yeah. to block off their passing patterns, I'm not too sure. Mm. But there were definitely times before Lacazette came on, so before the 70th minute, where if Aubameyang had had a good touch, yeah. he would have been in and it would have been a 3v2 or a 4v3. It was, a, it was just a game of ifs, though, really, wasn't it? For everyone. Yeah, I agree. It was like, if he'd yeah. have played it there, if he'd have played it there. It's just like, it's just one of those games. And then 20 minutes to go, Lacazette comes on. Yeah. And 
I think if he came on 20 minutes earlier or at half time, we would have scored a goal. Maybe. Because we looked to play line breaking passes into him, mm. rely on a good first touch on the press to set it back, and then feed the attacking midfielders <laughs> or wingers. Yeah. I actually just I, I actually couldn't understand why we didn't make that substitution earlier. Maybe it was so prominent as well. Yeah. It was really obvious. I guess maybe it was because Brighton were more on top, and then you look at Aubameyang's pace and then behind. But it was obvious from from minute one. Yeah, on the counter, he was just having an off. Perhaps, there. but also maybe politically, he's the captain. Yeah, a lot of people around. A lot of people, around the, lot of people around the club are in love with him. Yeah. So if you don't make the person that's responsible for the club on the pitch remain on the pitch in this tough situation then you can get easily criticised perhaps that was it as well but no also perhaps the thinking was on the counter attack because we know those are what his good qualities are so now it's time for this week's player ratings I'm going to be asking Lol this week should we start off with our new number one in goal Aaron Ramsdale I'll give him a seven um, I thought he was good. He made a fantastic save late on. It was in the almost like half. a save slash interception. Yeah, it was like a block or whatever. But anyway, more it was waiting at the back post. It was vital. Um, but there was a sort of heart in mouth moment in the first half as he dropped the ball, and it um, wasn't a very strong shot either. No. Um, so yeah, I'll give him a seven. He was solid. There's one thing I wanted to criticise, which. Maybe it's the coach's fault, as you were pointing out. We had a little chat about this before the podcast, where Ramsdale constantly tried to target Saka with long balls against yeah. somebody that's like twice his height than Dan yeah. Burn, and it just made no sense. Yeah, it was it. That was a weird tactical element of the game. But no, I think I'd agree. Seven, nothing more because of maybe that, and he almost cost us a goal. Yeah. Moving on to Tomiyasu, I give him a three. Yeah, might be harsh, but I just thought he was really poor. I think I'd up it to a four because in the second half he was slightly better, maybe. Maybe he just he just had made me a bit uncomfortable every time he got the ball that game. Cucurella really yeah gave him a lesson in that match. Go to Kirantini on the other side. Kirantini, I give him a five. Um, average then. Yeah, just just below not average. much. There wasn't much defensively on that side because most of it was coming down. I thought. Earlier on in the game there was, and then when cause we talked about he started a bit higher. Yeah. And as soon as he just dropped back and started playing like a normal left back, yeah. it was kind of a bit of a boring side of the pitch. Nothing it much was happened. just meh. Meh. I agree. Five. Yeah. Ben White? Give him an eight, actually. I thought he was outstanding. I Defensively, at least, he was yeah. outstanding. I thought it was really good. A couple of times where he maybe sort of dillied on the ball a little bit. But, you know, aerially brilliant. Um, as Tommy Yasu was actually saying in his interview after the game, all the jewels in our box we won. Yeah. Um, which was really important. So yeah. anticipation is incredible as well. Mm. And he, he saved us a few times with blocks from shots inside the box as well. Yeah. I might even up it to an eight point five. Okay. Because I thought he was that that crucial to the clean sheet. Yeah. Gabriel? I give him a seven. I didn't think he was as prominently good as Ben White. Um, but still solid in the air. But still really solid, proper warrior. Um and I think those two give this team a real sort of defensive base to kick on with. Um, and I'm hoping that our attack becomes a bit more consistent. And in spite of the fact that Brighton were on top of us, and they did have a few chances to score, I think we saw some persistence in this match, which indicates the platform at the back, defensively at yeah. least, forget talking about playing out and mm. all this fancy stuff. There's something to build on. There's some grit. There is. I like it. Lokonga. Five. 
Um, I might give him a four. Yeah. I don't think he really offered anything on the ball. No. He was fine off the ball. Yeah. It, again, it was just meh. Very meh. Thomas Partey? Again, five or four. Take your pick. For me, four because of the shooting. Oh, the shooting. Just, I actually ended up with um, with two match balls um, from Brighton. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, got them at home? Yeah. Couple of, uh, a <laughs> couple of Partey shots ended up in our back garden. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gone all the way from Brighton. Yeah. Up the motorway. Oh, man. Oh, I just like, oh, I couldn't understand it. Anyway, yeah, four. Four. He's so bad at shooting. It's really annoying. Martin Odegaard. Give him a three. I thought he was really poor today. I think I'd give him a four in line with the other two midfielders just because he works hard. Yeah, I guess. And he was picking up areas. He was picking up the positions. Yeah. He just wasn't... When he got the ball, he wasn't doing anything fantastic. It was a bit sideways. And sometimes he didn't get the ball. It was just not... It was a bit of an off day, really. Saka on the right. Uh, I'd give him a five. Um... I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he helped Tomiyasu out nearly enough defensively. There are a couple things in the opening five minutes. He beat Dan Byrne with a really good run down the right-hand side. But apart from that, I didn't think it was his best day. I think five is slightly harsh. I go for a 6.5. The extra one and a half marks is because, yes, in the first 15 minutes, he was really lively and he was driving and he looked like he could have created a goal. But I still thought he was the out ball throughout yeah. the match but but he, he wasn't he, really able he to he gets hold. a low rating as in a 6.5 for Saka's a low rating and he gets that because he wasn't tracking back and helping Tommy yeah. out ESR I'd give him an 8.5 just to make him uh, the best player on the pitch because I thought he was our best player on the pitch that day I, th- I thought he was fantastic he always is he battles so well he was fantastic his, his passing first, was good his passing his first touch that especially cross for Abameyang actually in the first yeah. half which we'll get onto Aubameyang again. We've stated him a lot in this episode, and rightfully so, it's deserved. It's yeah. not an agenda, it's just genuine what yeah. we see on you the know, pitch. We'll praise him when, when he does well. We'll, we'll praise him when the ball does stick and he flicks it around the corner into yeah. the Smith Row against Spurs, and it's yeah. amazing. But it just happens 5% of the time. Yeah. But no, that cross was should have been an assist. Aubameyang should have put his head yeah. on that or his stuck a foot out. So, yeah, I'll give Smith Rowe an 8.5. I thought he was our best player. I'd go down to an 8 because I think he's our best attacking player. Ben White was equally good at the back. Bad player. Bamiang? Give him a 2. I thought it, it was it was one of the worst performances from a striker that I've seen in a while. Maybe a mark for being on the pitch and then a mark for pressing a little bit. Yeah, or just showing up. Just being there. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he was really not great. Ainsley made the Niles, he wasn't on for that much. Five. Standard five, right? Meh. Meh. Pepe? Five. I think less. Meh. Know. I think I'll go four. Yeah. I just think he had the opportunity to come on and make a difference and yeah. show why he should be in there. I know he's put on the left and we keep on having this problem where we stick one of Saka or Pepe yeah, on the yeah. left. But I just thought he was non-existent a little bit. But then they did switch as well and he had a chance to run at Dan Burn a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. Four, five, either way. Who else came on? Lacquer. Lacquer. I give Lacquer a seven. I give Lacquer a seven because he made an instant impact. Yeah. He suddenly looked like a team that could keep the ball in the attacking area and create a chance. Exactly. And the boss? Give the boss a six. Um, okay. I think that's pretty fair. You know, it's a solid point. There are a couple of things I thought maybe you should have brought on Lacazette earlier. Um, I but think you have started Lacazette. But you always do, don't you? Well, yeah, because he's better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, six. Just... It was a Met day. Yeah.
and the away support. The away support, I give them a 10 because they were unreal. As they always are. Oh, mate, like in the rain, constantly singing, they're after the game to clap their teeth. Nothing can stop our away support. Brilliant. Okay, so it's time for this week's instalment of the quiz. Last week's instalment was quite controversial due to, I think, Harry being a bit spiteful that he didn't get the questions when I first asked him. I just don't know why I didn't get Podolsky. Yeah, uh, and and then he decided to basically screw me. Um, yeah, sorry about that one. So, yeah, none of our listeners got any of them, really. Um, so, you found yeah. the level of what's too harsh, then. Yeah, I think so. And I've brought it back down, I think, for this week, because, kind of. as they say, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It does. And I'm going to be the bigger man and not retaliate. Fair enough. So, here we go. So, question number one is, name Britain's sixth Prime Minister. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> name Arsenal's three goal scorers from the 3-2 FA Cup win against Brighton. That was years ago, wasn't it? I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to get this. You know the game I'm talking about, yeah? It was in the FA Cup, we were in a yellow kit, yeah. Puma kit. Yeah. I know the game you're talking about, I'm not sure if I'm going to remember. There's there's some people that... I'm going to do... I'm going to write someone that, if I get it wrong, I think would be the okay. that I got wrong for. Um, right, so second question. What was the date... Of Arsenal's 2-0 Scorpion kick win over Crystal Palace. I want the year as well, please. Blimey. Oh, God, this could get me over this. Oh, no, got it, got it. Because he joined Chelsea in January 2018. So I'm going for January 2017. Oh. Okay, and the third one, just a little mention of the international break. Um... So, how many Arsenal players are going on international duty? Well, Xhaka's injured, so he's not going. We've got Ramsdale, Saka, Leno. And just to stick it out there, this is the answer that I got. I'm happy to be proved wrong. Okay. Tierney. Gabriel doesn't get called up for Brazil yet. I'm guessing Tommy Asu plays for Japan. I'm not sure if they have games. Um, Partey, Oba, El Neni will go with. He's just come back from injury, so I hope they have selected him. El Neni should go with Egypt. Lakonga, does he get called up for Belgium on the bench? I think he does. It's actually more than I was anticipating, unless none of these players got called up. <laughs> Pepe will get called up for Ivory Coast. Do we count ESR with the England on 21s? No. Okay. No no youth team. Okay. Um, Odegaard, of course, will get called up for Norway. Am I forgetting anyone? Martinelli doesn't get called up for Brazil. All right, I'm going to stick with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Right, should be the answers then. Yes. So... Arsenal's three goal scorers. I think I might get two right here, one wrong. Okay. I've gone for Walcott. Yeah. Riziki. Yeah. Kazola. Ooh. That's the one wrong. I've gone. Okay, the backup Giroud. No. Flamini, was it Flamini? No, it was Ozil. Ozil. Okay. 
Um, so right, that's so, the point for me. So if, if I don't get both of these right... Yeah, you're in trouble. I've lost this... This... Section of quiz. Yeah. Uh, so the date of Arsenal's 2-0... 1st of January 2017. Yeah, that's correct. And how many Arsenal players are going Gone on? Over 11, I've definitely got this wrong. You're so close, it's 12. Who's the, who's the, okay, Sa um, Ramsdale Saka. You've got all of them right. Who have I missed? Cedric. Fucking Cedric. Goes with Portugal. He won the Euros with Portugal, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, I forgot he played for That's us. a really good effort though. That's like a lot better than I thought you were going to do. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well done, mate. So, just to finish off this week's podcast, we always do our Premier League roundup. Um, so, let's do it. United versus Everton. Poor from United. They're not good, are they? They're not, they're, they're not very good. And I think Ole's in trouble. Because if you look at his next set of fixtures I think it might oh, be mate. 10 or something their next 7 in Europe and in, the, in the, and in the league their next 7 they have the big 6 and Leicester no well, if you're including us and Spurs in, in the big 6 then yeah yeah the big 5 and Leicester and Watford yeah and like, they've got Atalanta twice I think in Europe yeah, I think they're, he's in a bit of trouble especially well if they keep them performing like this which they will because they don't have a visible no um, I don't don't really see an out tactical plan yeah. do they Everyone says it on every platform, so this might be boring to listeners, but they really do rely on individual moments of brilliance because they yeah. have world-class players all over the pitch. Yeah. I think Ollie's. It's Again, it's a bit like Oscar Arteta, where Ollie's yeah. built players to suit him. His system, Which yeah. is a bit contradictory to the fact that we're saying that he doesn't have much of a system. <laughs> yeah. But, he but it's a thing really. where if you brought in a Conte... Yeah. That he'd have to rip it up again because he yeah. relies on players like Victor Moses and Ashley Young to be wing-backs. Like, yeah. Um, Everton were actually really good. Probably Decent. could have won it. Very compact in midfield. Adam and Decore, very hard to break down. Yeah. It's really nice. It's very, very traditional. One, They both break up play, mm. decent distribution, and then one goes and one sits. Yeah. I mean, um, me and my counter. dad were saying this. They, they've sort of gone back to like just Basics. old school Everton. Just dogs of war. Yeah. Go there and they're a hard team to beat. I mean, I guess Darren Ferguson's in influence must be quite big. as Duncan! Duncan, big Duncan. Apologies, Duncan. <laughs> Darren Ferguson's Fergie's son, right? Yeah. Different Ferguson. It's confusing. Yeah, it's unlucky. Um, and then we had the three o'clock games. Wasn't much going on there. Chelsea beat Southampton. They were a little bit lucky. I didn't manage to catch that. But I heard there were some controversies towards the end of the match in the second half. Yeah, I, I was actually um, watching the highlights just before we came. Werner, another disallowed goal. He's the all-time Premier League record holder of disallowed yeah, goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought Chelsea were a bit lucky, actually. Um, didn't perform that well. Uh, the most stonewall penalty ever. Really? Um, on, I think it was Liveramento from Chilwell, just an awful challenge. Uh, but then Chelsea kicked on a little bit in the Towards last the 10. End. Yeah, and James Ward-Prowse got sent off, actually. Quite a bad challenge. Really? Yeah. Disappointing that they managed to come back because I thought if they and United had dropped points it would have made it all Yeah, we were all thinking before the game like, well, oh, where can we go if we if we win? Well, we're not going to be delusional. No. 
more so to make our point about where we could finish in the top yeah. s- it within the top six this season. It's nice to be up there. Between first and eleventh, there yeah. are six points. It's two games, it's yeah. already compact. Actually, the results today, despite Spurs losing the Spurs Villa game and the West Ham Brentford game, that has made sort of the five positions that we're within in the league really compact and within two points. So <laughs> it's not it's not been a dreadful weekend for us. We're still very much in there and it's all quite tight. Nothing to stress about. Yeah. Um, um, were there any more talking points from the from Saturdays? So there was Burnley nil, Norwich nil. Don't I think we need to talk no about that. Uh, Leeds beat Watford one nil. Watford sat their manager. Yeah, a bit weird. This is why I don't like Watford. They've had twelve managers in the last ten years now. It's a joke. Have you seen they've been linked with Ranieri and he's yeah. I'd quite like to see him come back actually. So would I, but you're just a bit sad because you know we'll be sacked at the end of the season, yeah. so you don't want to see the great man go through that. Um, and then Wolves beat Newcastle 2-1. Um, well, Wolves' new signing is actually looking really good. A few goals up to his name now, doesn't he? Yeah, he scored there too. Um, and Jimenez set them both up. They look like they're working quite well together. Things are looking bad for Newcastle. They are yeah, so reliant on some Maximan. Yeah, they have, a wicked player. they have one good player and that's it. Two, Callum Wilson. Mm. No, he, he's, good. he's quite good. Yeah. But some Maximan's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, apart from that, Bit bleak for Newcastle. And then today's games, Palace 2 all with Leicester. So I was at work, I, I got out of work at four and then cycled up to Lowell's to watch what was an extraordinary match of football. So I'm going to have to fill you in on Palace-Leicester. You are. Uh, so Palace pretty dominant opening. They look really good under Vieira actually. I really like watching them. Um, and it's a style of play quite expansive then. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to see a Palace team actually play proper football. Oh, it's the complete opposite to what we've seen for the yeah, last five years. Exactly. Um, somehow found themselves 2-0 down and then second half Palace just kicked on and took their chances. They're, uh, oh, what's his name? He's young. Um, they brought him on in the second half. Elisu, I think his name is. Like Elisu, I played against him. Elisu, yeah. Well, he's very good at but football. He's extraordinarily talented. He's very technically gifted. got a lovely left foot. He's strong. Can shoot, assist. Yeah. Can play across the front three, I think. Yeah. So that was a really good game at Sellers Park. And then Spurs got lucky at home to Villa, I thought. Um, it, they were better. Um, but still, I think playing against a better team, they would have lost. Um, Villa were not great going forward. Well, they lost, I saw they lost to an own goal, which is infuriating. Yeah, it, to be fair, it could have been Lucas Moura's goal as well. It okay. was a bit like it went across the box. And oh, fair the enough. defender had to... Had to get there. Put his body on the line. Yeah. So was Spurs, then, was Spurs, as long as the performance wasn't bad, I guess we're at a point where we're only two. There's only two points within our Spurs, Brentford, West Ham, etc. Yeah. So it's um, recoverable. Brentford are on fire. They are beating West Ham last minute, but first half they were completely all over them. Any signs from highlights of the match, or if you watched the whole match, I don't know that West Ham were a bit leggy from. I, th- I think they were. I think West Ham are going to be a team this year that suffer a little bit from their European nights. Uh, I don't think they have a big enough squad. They they don't. I think they actually have a big enough squad to be competent in the Europa League, yeah. but not in the Premier League. If that makes yeah. sense. So Mark Noble. I mean, they'll still be. You know, they'll still be in and around. They'll the be in the top league, ten. Yeah. I think, but not pushing on for top four at points, yeah. which they were last season. And also, players like Yarmolenko and Mark Noble are good enough to play in the Europa League. Yeah, but. 
not possibly got the legs to do yeah. it again three days later. But also, like you'd probably like to play them in the Europa League, but given it's their first time in Europe, I think the competition actually means a lot it means to them. Yeah, so they're playing their first. I mean, the London Stadium stadiums ram packed. Yeah, against who are they playing? Rapid Vienna. Rapid Vienna. Who yeah. played last year? I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember David Luiz header away from home. Yeah. Um, and then the four thirty game, which we watched together, was extraordinary match of football. Oh, City were brilliant. City were outstanding. Let's just get it out there. City deserved to win the match. They really did. Mo Salah was world class. Some individual moments. Oh, what a goal! Genius from him. Both both goals, his assist and his goal. It really reminded me of um, in his first season, the goal he Everton. scored against Everton and the goal and, he scored against Tottenham. And what I think he scored one against yeah, he Watford scored one against well. Watford, he, where he just sort of. Jinx around it. He was. It's he when was he brilliant. can feel people, so he can get his hands on a couple of people pressing him. Yeah. He's got the strength to go get off. Yeah. And then change direction, a few little movements with his left foot, and then just rifle it. Yeah. But what a second half of football! I mean, in the first half, by the way, Manchester City were outstanding. Yeah. They should have dominant. been two or three nil up at half yeah. time. You've got what would have been one of the best assists of Premier oh, League history God. from Bernardo Silva. Who I'm going to big up again right now. He's the best midfielder in the league on form. Don't care about stats. He's if not doing anything. Today, he's not doing anything to prove you wrong at the moment. He's not. That performance that he put in today was the same away at Chelsea last week. It's been the same in every match I've watched him play this season. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. No, he's been really good. As was Foden, who should have oh, finished Foden. the chance that he put he's through. Actually, to say should have is a bit harsh. Yeah. Yeah, he, he might have done something differently um, when Edison played that ball over. Yeah, that was a second chance. and then Oh yeah, the first had, one was when... That was two of their chances in the first half. They had a they had a De Bruyne header at the back post. Oh yeah, which it where he skied it, yeah. So if we're being honest, on another day they could have scored two out of those three big yeah. chances, but they dominated Liverpool first half. And I was saying to Harry, I think probably today was one of those games for City where they missed having an out-and-out striker. Someone that's ruthless and that's going to take... You know, it's only going to take them two chances to score, whereas it took City eight or nine to score today. Yeah, it's a fair point. However, we were also discussing that in this context, I'd apply just if they had Harry Kane rather than any yeah, striker, yeah. because the chances they were getting are because they played the full yeah. system. So would they have got those chances with a number nine? Perhaps not. Perhaps their chances would have had to be created differently. But with Harry Kane, who played as a nine and a false nine because yeah. he drops in, perhaps he would have killed the game off in the yeah. first half. Because those chances that Foden got down the left, if he had a striker to sweaty it across to... Yeah, would have been a different story. But yeah, brilliant game. Um, without doubt, the game of the weekend. Okay, well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. We've now got a two-week break before the Arsenal play again, but I think we're going to release an episode during the international break. So stay tuned on Twitter for that. It will be a special. But yeah, until then, take care.